0: Hello and welcome back to The Brunch Files, where we serve up bottomless, brunch-worthy topics about life in your 30s. We're your hosts, Tegan and Rachel, and on the menu today, we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome and how you can kick it to the curb. Have you ever found yourself thinking, I'm not as talented as they think?
1: I made them think I'm better than I am. Everyone here is so much smarter than me or more qualified than I am, has skills I don't. If so, you might be suffering from imposter syndrome, and this is the perfect episode for you.
0: Yeah we wanted to chat about this because it's something that we have both experienced you know as women working in a corporate environment at work but it's also about outside of work. I think there's lots of times where we can reflect on maybe when we've experienced this and I think you know we want to talk about career on this podcast and it's something that's very much for a focus for us at this point in our lives and something we want to talk about on The Brunch Files.
1: That's it. So I guess to kick us off what is imposter syndrome? You have to love a Wikipedia definition. Here goes. Imposter syndrome is a psychological occurrence in which people doubt their skills, talents or accomplishments and have a persistent internalised fear of being exposed as frauds. And this, um, according to a bit of research we were looking at, disproportionately affects high achievers, where deep down they feel like uh, complete fraud, that their accomplishments are the result of luck and not their skills.
0: It also really disproportionately uh, affects women. So in this survey, which was of over uh, 3,000 adults in the UK, it showed that over 71% of women have suffered from imposter syndrome compared to just 45% of men. And that women are most likely to experience it in the workplace, around 72% have experienced that. Mm -hmm. During education, so at uni or school, 29%. And even when out with friends at 29%. I thought that was really interesting
1: that's it. It could be something you even feel when you're at brunch and you're comparing yourselves to other people, you know, your friends, you don't have what they have. You're not at that point in your career or uh, maybe you don't own a house like they do or all those sorts of things. I think it it comes back to that comparison thing again, Mm. but also just feeling like, oh, you're not
0: quite there yet maybe. Mm. And I think it just goes to show that when we're talking about imposter syndrome, I think a lot of people think about it in a work context Mm. I think I know that's how I was introduced to the topic which we'll talk about a little bit later Um, but I think just looking at those stats shows there's so many facets to imposter syndrome and it can have a really uh, interesting effect on so many different parts of our lives and manifest in a lot of different ways
1: that's it Um, And I think we also spoke about when we were prepping for this episode um, how it can be tied back to that pressure to have it all and to be perfect. And I know we both have some perfectionism tendencies and, you know, a lot of our Mm -hmm. friends do as well. And sometimes um, we wonder how how closely that's linked to how much you care about how well you do, how stressed you are about getting things perfect, getting them right. And then that can kind of show up as anxiety or doubt about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Do you kind of find that?
0: I think so, and I think it also probably comes back a little bit to just the societal pressures that we all have on us these days, especially as young women. You know, there's all this talk about women excelling in their careers, which is you know incredible and so amazing. But then it's also this pressure to say, well, you know, you have to raise a family, and you have to stay active, and you have to eat only organic food, and all these sorts of things. And I f- I do think that yeah, that pressure to, to have it all and be everything to everyone probably is part of the reason why women experience this at such a disproportionately high rate.
1: Yeah, and actually in that research as well, it was talking around um of those females surveyed. Twenty four percent said that they um that it sorry, that it got in the way during romantic relationships and another eighteen percent when parenting. So I guess that also shows just um it's it isn't just work. It mm. can be any
0: area of our lives. Mm. Mm. But yeah, we've definitely, you know, both felt this way at multiple different times (laughs) and when
1: starting this podcast in particular we were like we're having a laugh about that before because I think it's just one of those things where you um you can have an idea to do something that you want to do and then um all those doubts can creep in all those sort of little anxieties where you think well who am I to do that and what gave me the right or what do I have to talk about or mm. what do I have to offer? Um, which we is, we've, we've still been flip flopping with that, you mm. know, uh, in releasing episodes of the podcast, you know, it, um, you're putting yourself out there. And I guess that's, that's the thing with work you're producing at work. It's with mm. um, a lot of areas of your life and that's when I guess you can feel that imposter syndrome start to creep in. Mm. Are there any, um, I guess, where, where have you found it in your life, Tegan,
0: where it's sort of shown up? Mm. I think, majority of the time it's been in relation to career Um, probably my very first job that I got Mm. out of uni um, I was fortunate to get into a very competitive uh, graduate program um, which you know was wonderful but I just remember the night before starting that job I was I hardly slept I was pre-job nerves yeah and it was one of those things you have to apply sort of early in your final year of university and then there's this really long lead time before I think I got the offer around Anzac Day and I didn't start till the following February so it's a really long wait that's huge yeah yeah so you have all this time to kind of go oh you know finish your studies and I've got this job lined up whatever and yeah the day kind of rolled around and I just remember the night before not being able to sleep I was so nervous you know it's a grad program so you don't really know what you're going into cuz you do first a bunch professional of professional job like after uni. Yeah, exactly. And I just knew how competitive it was and I thought I remember thinking the night before, gosh, I've really stuffed up here. Like mm. I've I've really pulled the wool over their eyes <laughs> and I've made them think that I'm like what made me better than any mm. of the other 3000 applicants and you know why why am I so special kind of thing. I'm, I'm not like great. I've I've definitely tricked them here. And it was so funny because I didn't know about imposter syndrome then. But the very first session of that, we had a you know a four day induction, and the very first session of our induction, the graduate program manager literally got up in front of the whole like a co- our cohort that we're starting, and um, the first slide in her presentation was on imposter syndrome, oh, wow. and she made a point of sort of explaining what it was, but also saying that you know you're not a fraud, that you mm-hmm. were chosen for a reason, and that you haven't tricked anyone, and that you know yeah out of everyone they chosen they've chosen and employed each of us for you know our respective skills and experience which was just so interesting and I'm really grateful for that because I mean it I still was very nervous about the whole thing but it definitely helped to kind of I think quell some of those um experiences and those thoughts that can just creep in in those situations and validate
1: you to know that you you know you're there for a reason yeah chosen for a reason you deserve to be there Mm,
0: absolutely and even beyond that time know advancing my career since then but I still think every time I get a new job or mm. you move into a promotion you get a promotion or you're given a project that was previously given to a more senior person you I think these they, at all those moments this sort of thing can creep back in so totally. it's not, not something that goes away I don't oh, think
1: sadly I'm still battling yeah <laughs> so sure. when
0: are, when are, what are the moments that stand out to you that you've experienced this
1: in the workplace a lot but I know uh, for me it's often with job applications you know if it's time for a career change going for a new job going for a promotion I will be reading key selection criteria and I will be like okay yep got that one got that one I'll get to something that I'm a bit dubious about I'm like can I do that you know knowing I probably could do it but could I firmly say right now that's something I've done before and I'm bringing to the table? Maybe not. And I'll just close the tab. And like I, I just discount myself, count myself out immediately. Instead of thinking, okay, I've got, mm, you know, 75 80% of this down. Mm. Maybe the rest I can learn. I mean, I know mm. I can. I know I can mm. learn, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of taking that attitude, I'll often just – freak out about it think no, not up to it they, they're mm. going to think they're going to see that I can't do that they're going to you know um they won't consider me mm. so I won't even put my hat in the ring mm. um so that's probably a time that I particularly you know notice it mm. um
0: is there a particular element on those lists that gets you I, I know for me when I'm looking at job applications the one that frustrates me the most is the use of experience
1: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I feel like well, now I'm 30. <laughs> I can say I have a decade of experience or I have 10 years of experience, but certainly earlier, even even a couple of years ago, I'm like, oh, do I need to kind of say how many years I've been doing this? Mm. Um, and it's also like you were saying, it's sort of um, like if you're going for a job, um, th- what what sprung to mind for me was sometimes you go get put into a position where you're more senior than people that are older than you. And for, mm. for me, age can sometimes be a thing that I sort of, I still feel like so young I still feel like the grad although mm. you know which is silly but um, I can often feel like that's the way people see me as well mm-hmm. and so yeah that whole years of experience you know how long have I really been doing this mm-hmm. what can I bring compared to someone that's been in the game for 20 years mm-hmm. um, which quite frankly is is BS isn't it because it is.
0: <laughs> I, mean, I think it's I mean with so many things it's quality over quantity and I feel like work experience is no exception
1: no and we I mean we've all worked with people that have been in the game for a long time that are pretty hopeless (laughs) and we both work really hard (laughs) and know that we can you know we're up to the challenge of of our current jobs or whatever um yet still we let that voice sometimes Mm. take over
0: and I think it's all what you were saying about oh if I get if I can meet 75 80 Mm. percent I go oh no I think there's a stat out there somewhere. I'm sure someone much smarter than me has written it down somewhere. But isn't it around that, you know, women will only really apply for jobs if they sort of meet nine out of ten or Mm ten out of ten of the points that are listed in the job ad, whereas men will, you know, apply for a job even if they think they only meet three?
1: I have read this and I believe it, yes. Yeah, It's just like, oh, well, that'll be right, um, you know, close enough, whereas we're yes. like, oh, we're not 100% there and is that that perfectionism thing again? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's certainly certainly when it's um, reared its head for me. Mm. Um, I think also sometimes, you know, I've been maybe the only woman in the room or at the table um, mm. or, you know, when starting a new job and you're in a room full of learned people that have <laughs> been there longer than you have and it's so easy to just think, oh, do I sound really stupid? Mm. Do, you know, is, is what I'm saying useful advice? even when I know it is, you know? Mm. Um, so that's, yeah, there's that. We spoke to a few friends also actually about this because um mentioned to some friends we were doing this as a topic and got a really good response actually. They we were like, yes, I really want to listen to this. Like, have you got any tips? Mm. Or um, And one friend I asked um, about how it kind of manifests for her um, she, she sort of agreed with me around starting a new job um, but put it in the context of stepping outside your comfort zone. It's mm. when you know you're taking that step where you're, you're pushing the limit a little bit more and putting yourself out mm. there. Uh, she said for her that can be a trigger for those sort of voices to come in of, of doubt you know, where you're questioning yourself. Starting her own business um, and she said she often she has her own business and for her she noticed, um, notices it as overworking
0: Mm. Uh, and a fear of failure, mm. so tries to sort of almost overcompensate there. It's so interesting, and I do think that you know that whole piece around stepping out of your comfort zone. And I would want people listening to this today to be encouraged. I think to tackle yeah. their imposter syndrome head on a little bit, because I know definitely for me, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, that it probably has held me back from doing things in the past or I've let it hold mm-hmm. me back you close that job tab yeah, <laughs> but it's really you know when we do step out of our comfort zone that's when things happen that's totally. when you get that promotion that's when you take on that new experience that's when you get that new opportunity you know if we just stay in our comfort zones mm-hmm. we we kind of just end up in the same place we were you know five years ago oh, so, so I would true. hate for imposter syndrome to be holding anyone back mm-hmm. particularly women yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, we'll talk about some strategies, how you can tackle it later on. But um, I think what was really interesting, you know, we've spoken a little bit about our experience and our friends, but, you know, we're not alone. That's it. We actually, in our little bit of research
1: for this episode, um, we're looking at, you know, what celebrities have sort of spoken publicly about mm. this. Or not celebrities, but, you know, um, even well, businesswomen. So Liz Bingham, who's the managing partner at Ernst & Young, um, she she quoted herself as, as thinking to herself, what are you doing here? What do you think you're doing you're going to be found out. Mm. So those sort of feelings of being a fraud. Um, Academy Award winning actress Kate Winslet said, you know, she'd wake up in the morning before a shoot and think, I can't do this, I'm a fraud. Mm-hmm. So if you know, <laughs> if anyone deserves to be on set, it's Kate Winslet. But um, you know, even these people are having those same thoughts. So mm. sadly it's something we probably gonna grapple with forever, but we aren't alone. And no. but there are examples of people that are facing that every day. Mm. And I guess that's encouragement. And it's an example for us not to let it hold us back as well.
0: I do think as well it goes to show that it doesn't it doesn't really discriminate against age mm-hmm. or or profession or gender or though too. Gender, I mean, yeah. In the
1: context of women and um, and a lot of our friends as women um, who are women experience it uh, It would be really interesting. I don't know if we have any men listening to the podcast, but please
0: feel free to send yes. us your stories and your experiences because, as you said, it doesn't discriminate. Yeah, exactly. I even had a conversation with a and a colleague at work who's you know a little bit older than me or a little quite a bit older than me and it still came up for her Mm -hmm. we were just sort of chatting about some work and um I don't really know how we got onto it we're just catching up Mm -hmm. having a bit of a gas bag at the end of a meeting as you do and yeah she did make a comment to say oh you know there's another woman in an equivalent role to her supporting a different part of the organization and she said oh I think but she's just so much better at this side of the job than I am Mm. you know and it's kind of you kind of think I don't know I, I think I always had this impression that you know when we get, you get to a certain age or a certain point in your career and you just you stop mm-hmm. doing that comparison mm-hmm. but um, I think it is something that we, we constantly have to sort of challenge within ourselves and work at.
1: And we focus on the negatives or we focus on what we don't have, you know, like f- she's obviously fixating on on things this other woman brings um, instead of thinking, yeah, but I bring this. And mm. I have, you know, have many years in this business and my, like you were saying, business acumen or my connections within the organisation or, you know, it's so easy, isn't it, to like think about what we don't have or what, yep. we, what we might be missing out on. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think automatic negative thoughts mm. is a thing that as our human brains yeah there's some sort of survival evolution or- yeah there's some sort of survival evolutionary trait again I'm sure a psychologist could probably explain this better than I can but our, our minds are essentially primed to focus on the negative mm-hmm. and you know while we're not sort of looking around like we're not having to focus so much on our need like food and shelter and all of those sorts of things as we did you know Years and years, like thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. it kind of shows up today in this, yeah, comparison. Or we, we focus on, yeah, what we don't have, mm-hmm. rather than and what the we negative do have.
1: instead of, you know, you might receive one piece of um negative advice, five pieces of positive advice. How much do you just fixate on that mm-hmm. one negative thing that'll keep me awake at night mm-hmm. instead of being like, yes, but let's balance it out because these five people were really happy with what I did? Or mm-hmm. I don't know, you know,
0: it's so hard to remind. I always think, oh when I notice that I've gotten down that spiral of what ifs mm-hmm. and that negative self-talk you know when I'm not in that that moment I always think oh, I need to remind myself of why well, I'm good at this or you listen to a podcast that will tell you you know you have to challenge those thoughts and say five things that you're good at mm-hmm. but in those moments it's really difficult to do. Oh that. it is it's yeah. like when they ask you
1: about um like in a job interview your your best yeah. traits and your worst mm-hmm. traits like it's always really difficult like you know you're negative or things you need to I always work feel like on. the
0: worst trait thing is a trick question. Same. I never you know want how to answer say that. Oh I'm a workaholic. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> you're not say, oh, I just work too hard. I'm a a perfectionist. Yeah. Like I feel like you need to be a little bit
0: honest. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's one. But yeah, it's
1: tricky. Um I I sometimes wonder also, I think we had to be careful to differentiate between when we're putting it on ourselves, um, mm. when it's, you know, our own imposter syndrome trying to fight through, or when there is maybe gaslighting or exclusion happening um we know this can happen in the workplace and we can be excluded we can be it can be assumed that we're you know sadly still today the secretary or you know something mm. like that um and I think it is important not to you know we're, we're battling b- battling with it internally and so if there's also those external moments where people are making us feel like we're less than or we don't deserve mm-hmm. to be there mm-hmm. um that can just feed it so I suppose also being super aware of that and that's when that positive self-talk and backing yourself really comes to the fore. It's needed.
0: Yeah. I think as well in a career context or in a work context, that's can be really prevalent. Mm. And you touched on it a little bit earlier saying, oh, you know, I still feel like the young person. Yeah. And I think there's some of that that comes from us putting that on ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I also do think that we feel that way for a reason. And there's often a lot of external things coming from other people or, you know, the environment that we're, in or the culture of a workplace Mm -hmm. that can contribute to that so it it could be you know old mate john down the back there using words like ideate and we need to tackle the long hanging fruit and be fiscally (laughs) conscious and all the corporate jargon it can also be how many times have you been in a meeting where you present an idea and you get Halfway through it, and someone else cuts you off.
1: Oh my goodness! So many times. Or I know this has happened to you, where you've presented, you've been leading something, and then who, the person you're presenting to defers questions to your manager or mm. to you know all the male in the room. It's not always the has male. Hasn't happened for
0: mean. a very long time, thankfully. No, but
1: but like I don't know. It's just those moments that they just then they don't help us. Do they in our no. battle to try and yeah. <laughs> overcome
0: this? And I, you know, while I think. In those situations it's really important to remember that we can only control what's within our control. And so we can't we can't control the way other people respond. And as much as I would like to sit here and say if someone cuts you cuts you off, you should tell them sure. please don't cut me Sometimes you can do that. Yep. A lot of times that's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I actually think sometimes it doesn't. It can actually end up not reflecting well on you, mm. rightly or wrongly.
1: Yeah, rightly or wrongly. I saw there was actually, I should have, um, should have dug this out. There was this, um, I think it was just on Instagram, but it was like phrases women need to practice. Mm. And it was, I remember one of them was, I wasn't finished speaking.
0: Oh, gosh. oh I'm like, I need my- <laughs> to add that to my vocabulary. <laughs> yes. Isn't that, if it,
1: that's it. But I mean, if you say that, there's also the perception issue, isn't there, where um, you could be perceived as. Being a bitch, or yeah. just being too
0: opinionated or too outspoken, and it's interesting because if I reflect on the times where I probably have said that, you know, if you if you let me or you know they they jump in and they immediately ask mm. you a question that you were just about to answer, I was If they just to let that. you finish. Yeah, I find it a lot easier to say that to other women than mm-hmm. to other men. Yeah, it's just you know that mm-hmm. might be more of a. I just think it's a interesting observation. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So there's so many things, and I think also it manifests then in the way we communicate, mm-hmm. and exactly like what you were just viral. saying, <laughs> yep. yes, exactly, or even the language that we use in emails mm-hmm. or in you know, there's a whole list of phrases that everyone uses, but I think women more are more commonly mm-hmm. like, they're more commonly used by women, guilty, yeah. So things
1: like I just or
0: I think I'm just following up.
1: Yeah, no, you're following up because you asked for it last week. Or uh, you know, I think no, you don't think you know. Yes, I'm sorry. Gosh, I overuse. I overuse. I'm sorry so much. Mm. I I firmly believe that apology apologies are necessary when there's a time and a a place, but. Mm. I'll often apologize for things where I'm not in the wrong, where they're in the wrong, but I feel awkward about pointing it out. So I apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, or also not sure if this makes sense before I say something that I know makes perfect sense. Yeah. I do this
0: constantly. You're smart and articulate. Yeah. The, the sorry thing. That mm. was one of the very first pieces of advice I was given by one of my very first um, managers. She was amazing. And yeah, she picked me up on it and she said, you don't need to apologize for things if you haven't done anything wrong. Mm. And for me, I often will default to it. Yep. And they often come combined. It's like, I'm sorry, I was just. Yes, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I often default to it if someone follows, you know, someone might have asked you for something and then two hours later they follow you up and you told uh-huh. them that you would get it to them by the end of the day. So you still have, you know, six hours uh-huh. to get it to them. But you, you I just feel the, the need to apologize that I haven't gotten it to them. Mm hmm. Mm hmm
1: why do we do this? I feel like we need to do an episode on this. We can go through phrases we use we need to stop using
0: and Mm. phrases we should start using (laughs) Mm. (laughs) coming soon. (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
1: It's also um, outside of career, though. I think this is important to talk about. Mm. Um, I think – you know, parenting, I have friends that, you know, they're part of mum's groups and there's that comparison factor or, you know, first time mums and, or first time dance mum, like my sister's just started her daughter in dance and, you know, she had to do the makeup and the hair and stuff for the first dance concert. And the pressure that is there, it's so easy to feel like, um, you know, speaking on behalf of my sister here, but um, inadequate as a mum or am I doing this right? Or, you know, am I missing something? um sport you you know I think you gave the example about netball when mm. you've been asked to fill in
0: yeah I was feeling well I, I did end up joining the team eventually as most fill-ins yeah, do <laughs> but I filled in for a game of netball after having not played for a number of years and you know it was Monday night casual netball yet I still showed up and felt the need to say Oh, I haven't played in a really mm. long time, but you're a don't, gun. Like, don't put <laughs> me in shooter because I just won't have my eye in. Or maybe I should just play wing defense because mm. I, you know, I haven't played in a long time. I'm not very fit. And no offense to the wing defense players, because like that is me. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. My I just sister always <laughs> played wing defense, and she was an amazing wing defense. And will testify that it is a very important position on the court. <laughs> it
1: is, but I'm I, I pl- was also putting wing and tackle wing defense, and I'm not an amazing player. So <laughs> I feel like it is that kind of position people get shoved into. But you know. Yes, to the wing defences. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Sorry, off
0: track. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not at all. Um, But, yeah, I just found it interesting to think that even in that situation where the stakes are, you know, it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Actually, you're doing them a favour by filling in. (laughs) They should be thank You you know, (laughs) so at the end of the day, even if all you do is stand on the court and pass the ball one time, they're still better off than if you weren't there at all. And yet we still feel this need often Mm -hmm. to sort of, yeah, qualify or – Create an excuse before we've even done anything mm-hmm. wrong. Yes.
1: I um was recently or earlier, it might have been last year now, I was going to say earlier this year, sometime in the last year, asked to um, speak to a group of young um, regional Victorians who were sort of uh, starting out in tertiary education, so sort of moving from year 12 um, to further study. And my initial thought was, because I'm from regional Victoria, so just for context, um, and so I was asked to speak about my experiences. And my initial thought was, oh, gosh, what have I got to offer? Like, I haven't made it anyway yet. I'm still working things out. Um, why Why do they want me to speak? Um, that was just my default. I was like, that's where my brain went. Mm. Um, but, you know, I said yes, and I actually ended up speaking to them firstly like about my experiences and my journey but i also spoke about imposter syndrome Mm. and told them how i'd felt about coming to speak to them but also that i hope that by sharing my experience and my journey Mm. um you know even if one thing that i said was helpful you know we i think we each all our experiences um are, are valid it's it's useful and to someone else you know like wherever you are now um or wherever they are now, like you, you've been there before. So I guess that's, Mm. I mean, I, you know, I'd gone through the same experience as they had or similar experience. And so hopefully by sharing that I was able to bring something to the table. Mm. Um, But yeah, just interesting how you can discount your own experiences as not being useful or not being valuable or not, you know, having an opportunity to teach somebody something.
0: So I guess that was another experience for me. Yeah. It's interesting how we kind of assign these arbitrary values Mm. to our contributions and then, often lower than probably what others would value them. Yeah. And then yet we'll praise – like I know my friends will do the smallest thing, not to say that it's not incredible, but, mm. you know, we're always – I'm always there to celebrate yes. the achievements of our friends and, you know, they do the same for me. But it's so mm-hmm. funny how we can see the value in what someone else is able to do but then discount
1: not ourselves what
0: we do ourselves.
1: Yeah, that's it. And also, I mean, things like going to the gym. I mean, every – you know, everyone um, – everybody deserves to be at the gym and should be comfortable going to the gym and but I think and I think often we put that on ourselves that intimidation of well I don't know what I'm doing I um it's like you know starting netball or starting a sport going to the gym anything like
0: that everyone's going to be looking at me
1: yeah when really they're they're not Mm. (laughs) most of the time
0: and if if they're working working out hard enough they shouldn't have the
1: energy to that's (laughs) it and if they are we'll stuff them because you know you're there to work out and everyone should be there you know doing their thing um but it's sad to think that these things can stop us from, from, you know, starting a sport or, you know, dancing or joining a gym or Pilates or, you know. Mm. I mean, it helps to have a buddy or someone to go with because often that insecurity can really um, deter you from walking
0: through the door. What do you think the role social media plays in exacerbating all of this? <sighs> because even if you think about just in the context of gym, mm. you know how many people do you see now, you know, putting up their gym posts and things like that you know which is cute active wear matching you know certain looks fully decked out you know it's the tube socks Mm -hmm. and the crop tops and the get ready with me for the
1: gym videos i'm like just roll out i mean my gym's in my garage so that Mm -hmm. helps but like putting on makeup and slicking the hair doing this stuff and it's like the pressure i'm like do i have to look good to go to the gym now like Mm -hmm. do i have to be matching and that's social media isn't it and that comparison you're seeing well this
0: this is what everyone's doing well i can't go
1: you know that's really sad
0: yeah, and it goes back to that idea that comparison is really just the thief of joy. It really, mm-hmm. there's no val. it doesn't really help. No, it's not really constructive. You <laughs> it just have is to not. focus on you and what you're doing. Mm. And I sometimes just try to remind myself, sometimes this is easier than other times, but essentially, I think for the most part, a lot of people. Far uh, too focused on themselves. So true. Though. Then they are. They, they don't have time to focus on. They're other taking people. their own gyms, uh, like mirror selfies at the yeah. gym. Like, they're, not they're probably they're probably spending more time worrying about what you think about mm-hmm. them well, than what they it. think about you. We're
1: all running around, <laughs> worried about what everyone else thinks about about us, when we're really just thinking about you know our own actions. But yes, it's, I think mean, it's like that. We it's the same in you know in the workplace. Everyone's you're worried about what you're doing as you should be. That's your job. Mm. You know. <laughs> I it's just—it's just funny to think, isn't it, how much time we sp- we spend or being consumed, worried about what other people think. When mm.
0: and yeah, yeah. But I think I think social media probably does have a yeah. bit of a role. I was so interested to see if that same study was done pre-social media, oh, yeah. what the data would be, because I just. We just are so much more aware mm-hmm. of what everyone else is doing and what everyone else has that we don't have mm-hmm. and vice versa.
1: And the highlight reel, like it's, you know, mm-hmm. so-and-so bought a house, so-and-so got a new job, so-and-so, mm-hmm. I don't know, lifted this much at the gym or got a new haircut or
0: mm-hmm. whatever or it is. A really aesthetic breakfast.
1: Yes. <laughs> Guilty. We've posted some beautiful brunch photos. Thanks, Megan Rod, for those lovely photos. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's just that
0: comparison thing again, I reckon. Yeah. So I suppose we've talked a lot about – um imposter syndrome but um we did find this really great uh graphic on google that sort of talked about how it happens in a cycle And i think we've touched on this a little bit mm-hmm. um but i think it does kind of follow you know no matter which situation it's kind of manifesting it does follow a very similar mm-hmm. sort of process and i think if we're really aware sometimes i find if you can kind of catch yourself yep. early on if, you, the if the you know if you know the steps Yep. the sort of pattern that it tends to follow if you can catch it early on um sometimes it can be a way to kind of go oh I'm, I'm going down this this path and then mm-hmm. we can sort of put some things in to sort of put the brakes on yes
1: so it's it sort of it showed yeah uh, basically a circle where it starts with a new project or a task that you need to tackle then it leads to feelings of perhaps anxiety and that can lead to procrastination putting it off because you're sort of worried about starting or over preparation which can lead back to that perfectionism and like mm. um a friend saying about you know overworking because you're worried you know that fear of failure then there's project completion where you experience this brief relief and a sense of accomplishment but then you sort of move into this rationalization where you think things like I was lucky or somebody else would have done a better job and that increases that self-doubt that anxiety and feeling like a fraud and it all kind of starts all over
0: again. Mm. Familiar, It'd be very <laughs> self fulfilling, I think. Yeah, and it can. I think it can show how imposter syndrome can kind of build mm-hmm. upon itself.
1: And if you if you don't put a stop to it, I think you can just let it let yeah. it make you close the tab. Let yeah. you know, just back yourself out of um, opportunities. Not join that sports team. Not go to that social event. All of those things, if you don't, if you're not sort of actively aware of it, mm. and sort of practice some of that self-talk and things we're going to get to later, it Mm. it
0: can, you know, it can stop you living Mm. your life,
1: which is really sad. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think as well, it can definitely ebb and flow. Mm. So I know from personal experience, sometimes I'll be doing something and I feel it a lot and other times I'll take on a new challenge or a new experience and not feel it as much. Uh Um,
1: I've had, yeah, I'll have moments where I feel like, um, you know, I'm on top of the world, I can do anything, I'm up to the task, you know, that could be one day. The next day I could totally doubt every skill and achievement and what I'm doing in life and whether I'm up to it. Like it's just so interesting how, um, yeah, it can – it sort of peaks and troughs like that as well. It's not just this constant, you know, little bit of anxiety. It can be really extreme – Or it can be the opposite where you're like, okay, I'm I'm great today. And maybe that's in the cycle as well where you've completed the project and you have that sense of relief and accomplishment. You're like, I'm doing well today. I've got this. And then something can happen, a bit of negative feedback or someone asking you a question or cutting you off and you can spiral again.
0: Mm. I wonder too how much external influence can sort of weigh in on that ebb and flow cycle. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a really good period or you're taking on a new challenge, are you – do you have someone really supportive in your corner mm-hmm. who's saying you're ready for this, you can do this, and kind of yes. helping to almost preemptively validate uh, some of those feelings? Doesn't it make a difference? Or do you, have you just kind of been given it, thrown in the deep end, not a lot of support, and then you feel like you're kind of flailing, and therefore it's kind of fertile ground for mm-hmm. these thoughts to just grow and evolve?
1: Yeah, totally. I've had managers that have been so, you know, so much positive reinforcement, so much encouragement. Um, so much validation that I'm on the right track, even when I felt like it's something that was pretty basic, just the fact they've taken time to add a line to an email. Thanks so much. Great work. You know, it's Mm. it's all it can take. And it's something Mm. that I really, really, really want to bear in mind, you know, as I progress in my career to be that kind of manager where Mm. I provide that validation, that encouragement, that thanks. Sometimes it's a thank you, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like where you just feel like, okay, yep, cool. I'm on the right track. They appreciate it. Um, and you feel so
0: much better about yourself. And also that just that they've got your back.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's a huge mm-hmm. thing one, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Because when you are doing something for the first time, you've never done it before. Yep. <laughs> so I think it's, co- it's n- perfectly natural to feel a little bit nervous, to feel a, bit of, a little bit unsure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you have someone there who supports and validates the fact mm-hmm. that you're ready for that challenge... You know, if it wasn't challenging, it wouldn't be fun. Yeah, I don't think it It
1: wouldn't be rewarding. It
0: wouldn't be rewarding. That's probably the better way. And
1: it's and you're not, you know, you're not outside your comfort zone, which is where we want to be pretty regularly if we want to grow. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's. I do wonder sometimes whether some people can capitalize off it and and gaslight us a little bit and sort of put you down or you're not quite ready. I've had times that I've asked for feedback and um, I wasn't really given any specifically. Yeah. they've said, oh, you're not quite ready. And I said, okay, well, tell me where, tell me how, what do I need to do? What do I need to focus on? Um, And they weren't actually able to tell me, which is really frustrating. Mm. And it's like, okay, they're comfortable keeping you where you are. Um, And I think, yeah, that can be a bit dangerous as well. And I don't ever want to fall into that trap where, um, Mm. you know, you feel threatened by someone so you keep them where you are. I think that's really horrible. Like as Mm. particularly as women and in the workplace, we should be lifting each other up and empowering each
0: other. I do wonder too. I'm sure there's elements of that in some situations, but I also wonder if it just shows the inability of a manager to be able to actually give con- it's so much easier to give positive feedback than it is to give negative feedback. True. It is really difficult. It's a really difficult give, thing yeah. to do because often again, we worry about what other people mm. think and we worry don't how offend how don't offend exactly. So, I I do wonder how much, I'm sure there's definitely elements of Mm. that, not discounting that at all. But I also wonder how much of that is sometimes influenced by the manager's own insecurities or the person you're asking for that feedback from, their own thoughts and feelings. That's a really good point. And their own fear Mm -hmm. of almost that fear of rejection and that, you know, my direct report won't like me. Yeah, wanting to be everyone's
1: friend. That's a really good point. Yeah. Because having had to try and give um, constructive feedback before, I had no idea how difficult it was. And I just felt like you don't get
0: taught that. No. You just kind of, you know, it's it's something we don't really teach. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's yeah, like something that
1: it's a skill almost, isn't it? Yeah, because I've received um, really useful, kind, constructive feedback, mm. and you know, there's a it's it's like sort of chalk and cheese, isn't it? Where you're like, hey, that's really helpful. Mm. Yeah, And no, that's an interesting one,
0: and it's so important. I understand your frustrations as well because. I've definitely been in situations where you ask for feedback and you only get told good things. Yeah, Well, it's great to hear. We all love That's to hear nice. lovely love things that. about <laughs> yourself. It's not actionable. You can't yeah. do anything. Yeah, There's nothing worse than being told, just keep doing what you're doing.
1: Yeah. It's like, okay, but then how am I going to progress? How am I going to learn? What else do you need yeah. from
0: me? Yeah. I've only been doing... I've only been in the workforce, you know, however long. Like, I can't know everything. Yeah. I mean, I
1: love, you know, we, as you said, we all love positive reinforcement, um, yeah. words of affirmation in my love language. So, like, I love to hear it. But mm. also, I oh, and I know I need to get better at receiving mm. constructive criticism because um, I feel like I can take it to heart and only – and like we were saying before, focus on the negative, And then just catastrophize, like, oh, my goodness, I'm a failure. Like, uh, instead of just being, like okay, this is one thing they've asked you to work on Yeah, amongst all these other – positive things they're saying keep doing
0: yeah i think that's also something that is really good to work on i need to work i think you've hit the nail on the head there and i think that definitely just feeds back into this whole piece around imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. that it could then just light the fire and get that cycle going again so yeah if someone does say you know you could have maybe done this slightly differently or this was great but i would approach this differently next time they're learning they're growing it's not doesn't mean that you're a fraud It's constructive criticism, not, you know, just mean criticism. (laughs) Exactly. Not just criticism. Exactly.
1: So we spoke through um, maybe some tips and tricks and look, don't get us wrong. This is something as we've been pretty open about, we both struggle with and we're both working on, but we um, sort of stepped out a few things that we find uh, to be useful and also asked a few friends uh, what they find to be useful. Um, So we'll just run through some of them. I think, this is, this is the thought that I think is really interesting and it's distinguishing between humility and fear. Uh, are you just being humble and you don't want to be too cocky um, or are you legitimately anxious and, and self-doubting? Um, so I think there's a place to be a little bit cocky sometimes. I think you should own – there is a time when you should own your accomplishments mm-hmm. and things like where you've received really fantastic feedback from a client – Things like forwarding that to your manager mm-hmm. so that they're aware of it. I mean, mm-hmm. that can feel cocky, mm-hmm. but how are they going to know if you you got to toot your own horn sometimes? I think mm-hmm. I did that just the other day. Mm. Got a really yes, nice.
0: Girl. <laughs> I Rachel and I both work in communications, and um, I got a really nice. Um, – Have been, been dealing with something um, quite cheesy, challenging, busy <laughs> at work recently, and got a really nice piece of feedback from a stakeholder um, that my manager doesn't deal with regularly. Um, but obviously I'd been talking with them a lot about the, the whole thing and I just forwarded it to them and said, Oh, it was really nice to get this feedback. Yeah.
1: Because it reflects well on them too. Your manager exactly. wants to know that their direct reports are doing well. That mm-hmm. reflects well on them. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's a win-win. So like yeah. maybe don't be sh- too shy sometimes to yeah. do that.
0: And while it's lovely if that person will also see seeing your manager, I feel like 95% of the feedback that I receive comes directly to me. Yeah. And so if you don't then feed that back up, how are they meant to know? Yeah, that's it. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, just that distinguishing
1: between when it's humility or when it's legitimately, um, you know, something you should be worried about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think the other thing is to actually challenge your thoughts a little bit and really question, am I feeling this way because I have a legitimate knowledge or skills gap? Mm-hmm. Is it something that I don't have the skills for, I, I can't tackle? Is it, is it a technical area, of ex- something that requires technical mm-hmm. expertise that I don't have? or is it just that i'm feeling a little bit insecure or doubtful of my own abilities yes. and really taking that moment to take stock and reflect and think
1: yeah is it come, really important it comes back to that language you know you're in a meeting and you're giving your feedback and you think and you say i think or i hope this makes sense or does this make sense mm-hmm. when you you know exactly what you know what advice you're needing to get across yeah. and that's that's the case when you know it's not a skills gap that's just you being a bit timid or a bit,
0: um, you know, not backing yourself, I guess. At the end of the day, you've been hired to do that job mm. or you've been you recruited for that purpose. You're bringing something to the table mm-hmm. and so don't be afraid. And I think also being able to call out and say, well, I can give advice on X, Y and Z and this is what I think here, here and here. But for this aspect, we need someone with yes. more. You know, you can call that out. There's always something you can offer mm-hmm. and no one is going to look badly on you if there's a certain section of it that you can't tackle because it's not your area of expertise and that's totally fine
1: i think people um can have a lot of respect like i've noticed when when i see people do that they're very clear this is what i can offer but let's call in the expert on this you know it's 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 admirable you're not pretending or making something up just to try and cover your own but like Mm. just be honest about where your skills are and yeah again like you said it's um taking a bit of stock with your own thoughts and be like okay well actually do i need to improve here is this legitimate skills gap
0: Mm. exactly And you were talking before about an internal pep talk? Yes.
1: So um, actually one of my friends was also saying when she's feeling this, she really tries to get on that internal pep talk bandwagon and talk herself down. This is going to sound potentially really, really silly, Um, but something that I love to do, and it's usually what I do before, um a job interview or like a really important meeting when um I have the space to do it might be going to the bathrooms and doing it but it's the superwoman pose and I don't know if there's any Grey's Anatomy fans out there um but this is where I learned it and it's literally standing there hands on hips feet um kind of you know spread apart a really sort of square solid stance shoulders back head up like superwoman and just standing there for like 20 seconds Mm breathing deeply and just feeling that kind of superwoman energy it sounds I sound wacko but um, it actually just makes you feel I don't know it works it helps with confidence and just like standing up straight and tall and walking into that challenge so love that one mm-hmm. probably just practice that a little bit more actually but I do
0: find <laughs> it's great for like a job interview or something like that. <laughs> Definitely um and I think when it comes to the internal pep talk. I think also that external pep mm-hmm. talk from friends and from family is super important. I yeah. think this just links back to what we spoke about in episode one and just making sure that the people that are in your circle and the people that you're you're mm-hmm. devoting your time and energy to are those that can give you that confidence boost because sometimes even though we're saying you should give you you know, talk yourself down, mm-hmm. sometimes if you're really stressed and anxious, it's really difficult to do mm-hmm. that yourself. Totally. And you do need to be able to lean on those people to sort of help remind you and validate yes. um, your feelings but also remind you of what you are capable of
1: yeah and I think um I think we said it in episode one but it's about um surrounding yourself with people that are your cheerleaders that mm-hmm. support you and you should be able to have friends and family that you can text and be like talk me down or talk me up you know mm. hype me up I know I've done that to friends before and 100%. Um, and I hope that makes a difference because I know it does for me mm. you know I've I've been in um, those moments where I'm having that kind of career crisis where I'm closing those tabs and not, um, not thinking I'm up to it. And I've absolutely had friends that reinforced me, my experience, my skills, what I bring to the table and just encourage me to back myself and, mm. and, and put myself out there. Mm. And it can be really hard to talk yourself out of that position, but mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, those friends are where it's at.
0: <laughs> yeah. And what I find so fascinating about the feelings that arise as a result of imposter syndrome is that they often, uh, totally contradictory of compelling evidence mm. to the that you actually are skilled <laughs> yes. and very successful and you know your shit <laughs> yes you didn't just trip and fall into that job like yes. you're there for a reason exactly you haven't pulled the wool over people's eyes you know and I think it's so difficult sometimes to remind yourself but you know you had to pr- a bit of resume. You had to sit an interview. Yep. There was other people that went for that same role. Sometimes that,
1: multiple interviews. Some you know, you did key selection criteria. Exactly.
0: Yeah. No one is that good of it. a <laughs> no frolic. What
1: do you call them? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, frog, yeah. We're not
0: all my cross from Sue.
1: <laughs> but yeah, and just and tell yourself that. And you know, have friends around you that tell yourself that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, remind yourself you are there for a reason. You earned that get it.
0: <laughs> it can also be helpful to remember that to a certain extent, everyone is making it up as they oh go my gosh. along.
1: Yep. Yep. 100%. Mm. And I feel like people that say they aren't are just lying about it. Like, yep. I saw a thing and I probably butchered the quote, but it was like, everyone, um, everyone is experiencing imposter syndrome. Some people are just better at hiding it and acting more confident. And mm. Like, I mean, it was not. It was much more eloquent than that. But, um, you know, the, the gist of it is there. Yeah. I think, you know, It's that little bit of cockiness that's sometimes needed to fake it till you
0: make it, essentially. (laughs) Yeah. I think essentially, like especially in in my experience in corporate workplaces, I think there is a little bit of an element of that. And just, you know, sink or swim to a degree Mm -hmm. and putting yourself in the deep end. And I find myself, I'm really, I think it leans back to that perfectionism. Mm. I don't want to make a mistake. But it's also okay to make a mistake. Yeah.
1: You don't want to look silly. That's a big thing for me. I'm always paranoid. Mm. It's just that worrying about what people think, worrying that Mm. people will... Um, Be like, what is she talking about? Or gosh, who gave her that job? All those things, like the thought of Mm -hmm. someone thinking that or saying that is just like horrifies me and I think Mm -hmm. it can be quite crippling. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I guess, again, just telling yourself that you deserve to be there. Um, Everyone, also everyone above you has also been where you Mm -hmm. are right now. Mm -hmm. And some people might forget that, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people do not. And I think that's also, there's that place for you know, us to encourage other people that are below us in the workplace as well, yes. um, cheer each other on, um, give and each power other power.
0: Women power other women. Yep.
1: Give each other opportunities and lift each other up. I think there's just something so
0: powerful about that. Yeah. Well, I think that might be all we have time for today.
1: This was so much fun. I'm feeling really inspired, and I hope you are as well. Um, and like like we said, we both you know it's something we struggle with, but we're trying to overcome. And so hopefully this discussion is been relatable for you and that you feel like oh you've got a few maybe tools in the toolbox now to just quiet those voices of imposter syndrome and just get it done yeah
0: and if you have a story to share about a time you've experienced imposter syndrome or maybe something that you do that you find mm. really helpful to overcome it we'd love to hear it so feel free to send us a message on our socials where the podcast on instagram and tiktok and give us a follow while you're there as well Definitely. we'll see you next time bye The Brunch Files would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live, meet, work and play, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and of course, any First Nations peoples who may be listening today.
1: This podcast is all about the adventures, stories and laughs of being a woman in her 30s. While we strive to entertain and share relatable experiences, please remember that our content is purely for fun and shouldn't be taken too seriously, and it's definitely not professional advice. Life is a wild ride and everyone's journey is unique. We believe that laughter is the best policy and we're just here to spread some joy.